Amen. How's everybody doing today? Isn't the worship team awesome? You know, they're leading, leading us in worship in the atmosphere, and I absolutely love it. But I always want to remind everybody that you, in your life, you are the lead worship person. You know, because God, as the greater one is within you, can abide in you. Not only that, he will manifest before you, and it gives you, I mean, it's just amazing to, to give him the glory and the honor. I was thinking about it right now uh, when we were worshiping, and I wanted to do a quick exercise. I didn't have this planned, but I'm going to do a quick exercise with you guys. I want you guys to take a moment, put your notes on the side for a second, maybe your phone, and I just want you just to close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes. I want you to take a big, deep breath. You know, during worship time, even earlier today when I was praying, I, was, I saw this image of uh, this sponge that was dry and, uh, or this sponge that was just kind of moist. But the moment it was immersed inside of a, a sink full of water or a bath full of water, it soaked. It was soaking up the water and, and it became one with the water. And I say that because I believe the Lord is wanting us to do that with him when it comes to his presence. You know, we look around, we go on social media, we, we go to work, we have kids that go to school, maybe we're in school, and, and, and a lot of us, we, we're hearing and seeing a lot of just garbage of this world, because this world is a mess right now, and, and it really does need a Savior, and the Savior still loves this world, and we got to remember that. But sometimes we just need a moment to just breathe, breathe. Now imagine yourself as that sponge, and this is the time where we're just encountering God's presence. So soak it in right now. And as you're just taking that time just to let things go and, and get, encounter yourself, and the, the word says to incline your heart towards God's heart, uh, get ready to receive. You know, as your eyes are still closed and as you're, you're saturating yourself in the presence of God, I, I remember one time God had said, Jesse, why do, you, why do you read my word? And I said, well, Lord, I want to know you more. He says, why do you worship? Because I want to know you more. Why do you teach my people? Because I want to know, I wanted them to know you more, God. And I want to just proclaim the name of Jesus. And I remember applauding and putting, you know, patting my back for those great answers for God. And God said, that's not what I'm looking for. And that made me scratch my head. I said, God, what are you looking for? He says, I'm looking for you to be in my presence. See, when you worship me, Jesse, you need to be in my presence. You do it because you want to be with me. He says, when you read the word, you don't do it to check off the list, say, I did my reading for the day. You do it because you want to be in my presence. When you teach or when you minister to people and you share the gospel towards people, you want to do it because you want to be in my presence. And I think we need that right now. So as you're soaking in right now for the next few seconds, continue to let God uh, just till the ground of your heart. Let go of those things. Let go of some football games you saw and you wanted them to win. Let it go. Don't let the emotions take over right now. Get your heart set towards heaven. Get your mind open towards God. And let's get ready to dive in. You guys can open your eyes now. Isn't that nice? You know, for those that don't know me, my name is Jesse Cabrera. I have the great privilege now to be a part of this family, this team of pastors. And my wife and I, my wife, Maddie, over here, we absolutely love it. Quick, quick story about me. In 2005, my wife and I walked into Resurrection Life Church Holland for the very first time. Some of you guys remember it used to be the extended campus of this place, correct? And so uh, a friend invites us, and it's September 5, and I say, okay, if I go this one time, will you leave me alone? And they, my friend said, yes, yes, we will leave you alone. Just come this one time. And uh, in 2005, I walk into the building with my, my, my high school sweetheart, who's my wife today, Maddie, and we walk in there, and uh, we're just boyfriend and girlfriend, just don't know about life, but dreaming about life. And as we walk in there, uh, it, it was a video campus at the time, so we would watch Pastor Dwayne's message from video, and then there was a, a, a campus host that would just kind of connect with the people. And I don't remember the word he gave, but I do remember the impact it had in my heart. And that's the day I raised my hand and I gave my life to Christ. And I, and I didn't realize he had to come and walk up to the altar at that time. I was the only one with my hands up. And it, it was just like, oh, I'm not going to do this. But something just came alive in me. And you guys know what it was, right? And, and something came alive and I just got up and I just started going sobbing. And that was the day I was forgiven by God because I repented of all my sins at that point. My girlfriend's looking at me like, okay, I, I kind of want that. The following week, she gives her life to Jesus. We fast forward a few 
years, we get married, we go to Bible school, we have four kids, we move back, we have four kids, and, and we've just been doing ministry for the last 10 years, and we've been loving it. And so go figure that the church I got saved at, the family a part of this place, you know, the, the leadership of Pastor Dwayne and the rest of the team here, God has called me back to this place, and I got to lead Res Life Holland as lead pastor for four years. Uh, it's just been a journey, and uh, we, we really enjoyed it, and uh, we believe we uh, handed it off to the right people, which Pastor Josh and Emily Vanderklok, and we know they're going to be doing great things as well, and we're excited for this new chapter here. So really, I'm the new guy, but not the new guy. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm the new guy, but not the new guy. I've actually been around for like the last 15 years. My wife's been around for the last 15 years, and we've been really, really excited. So, hey, I'm super, super ready for this, but let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to just get in your presence, Father. I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do through my words, Father. I decrease myself. I increase in you. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts in a hundred different ways so that when we have conversation about this word, we have different conversations because you're that personal with us. So Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts today. In your name we pray and we all say amen. Awesome. Well, I do want to talk about the Holy Spirit today. Uh, I do want to talk about the Spirit in motion is what I, I titled this message. And uh, I don't want to just talk about them. I don't want to just acknowledge that there's a Holy Spirit, I want you to have an encounter today. I want you to go into places with him that you've never been in before because he's good. He's a gift is what the Bible says. You know, um, who has an iPhone? Who owns an iPhone uh, makes a noise? Okay, uh, well, don't be ashamed. You can make some noise. Who owns an iPhone makes some noise? Okay, we're not glorifying an iPhone, but there's an illustration that I'm trying to give. I had an Android, nothing wrong with Androids, but it didn't work with me. And uh, I think we're like an iPhone, what, 11, 12, 10 or something like that, the generation. And I've owned an iPhone since it was generation five. I'm going somewhere with this. And uh, I think it was five, then six went by. Then I ended up getting a seven. Now, my wife and I, we always wait... um, we always get the generation below just because they got to get the bugs out. So when the eight came out, we was like, let's go get the seven and we'll save some money as well. And so this iPhone uh, seven comes out at the time. And for, for two to three years, I'm owning these iPhones and I discover this feature called Siri. You guys know what I'm talking about? I discover this feature after two to three years of this thing called Siri. And my wife was educating me about Siri and what it does. And you just need a program. You need to get it ready. And she's really educating. She's give me your phone. And she does the whole thing. And then she does this voice command. She's like, check this out. Put it on the table. Say something from far away. And I did it. And it answered me. And my kids are like, cool. And they do it. And it didn't answer them because there's a voice command to it. Why am I saying that story? Because Siri is a big help for me. When I go somewhere, I'll ask Siri a question and it'll give me the direction. Usually I use Siri a lot when I say, hey, Siri, where's the scripture at when Jesus talks about, you know, the Beatitudes or whatever it is? And it will post a lot of scriptures for me. I can ask Siri any question. It would give me the answer almost all the time, right, you know. But Siri is a feature that I missed out on for at least two to three years. See, I owned the phone. I had the phone, but I didn't have the knowledge of what it could do, the, the fact that it could talk to me back. In fact, it could help me get direction. Uh, Why am I saying this? Because today I want to talk to you guys about that when it comes to our Christian walk. You see, we know the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge the Spirit, but we don't use the giftings that God gave us to the capacity that we could use it. There's so much potential. You see, I could have used that phone, that Siri years before and done what I needed to do, but because of a lack of knowledge, I didn't have the ability to do so. It was right at my hands. It was right there, but I didn't have the ability to do so until someone taught me how to do it. You see, the Holy Spirit is that. And I want to talk to you really briefly on the three dimensions of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, by the way, everyone say 3D with me. 3D. One, more, one more time. Say 3D. One, two, three. 3D. Who's ever been to a movie and you saw it in 3D? I know I have. I uh, recently, my wife and I, we went, took the kids to Kentucky and went to the Ark Encounter, but we ended up going to the Creation Museum, and there was a movie on uh, how God created the, the, the world in 10 days and how creation happened, and, but it was in 3D. I think it was 4D or 3D. I can't remember, uh, but it was in 3D, and you put the glasses on, and the kids loved it. You get the full effect. It's just amazing. There's something about 3D that just pops out before you, and, uh, and, and when it comes to the Holy Spirit, he does that. He's in 3D. 
3D. And really what the Holy Spirit does is he, when he comes to our life, we come to Christ, he, he does an inward work within us. That's one, that's one of the dimensions. He does an inward. I say yes to Jesus. Breath of life comes into me. The Spirit of God is placed in me. And there's an inward that's happening in me. Amen? Then what happens from there is that there is an upward work that happens between the Holy Spirit and your spirit in heaven. You see, when inward happens, Romans tells us that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits. In other words, the Spirit of God confirms to our spirit that we are a child of God. Other scriptures will say that there's a guaranteed deposit that you are a citizen of heaven. And like I said, when I heard Pastor Dwayne's message in 2005, for the very first time, that was an inward work that was happening. You guys have that testimony. When you heard the gospel for the very first time, the inward work started happening. And like I said, the upward work is right after that. This is where, where the Holy Spirit works between here on earth and heaven. Jesus said it best. He said in John chapter 16, 14, he, referring to the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. See, Jesus in heaven and the Holy Spirit are one and they're working together in us. And so what Jesus reveals or has revealed, the Holy Spirit reminds us of his teachings. There's an, an upward work. You can even say a heavenward if you want to go that far. There's an uh, upward work that happens. When Jesus walked this world, he even demonstrated it by saying, I only speak what the Father tells me to speak. See, he's, he's demonstrating this upward or this heavenward dimension. You see, you got the inward, you got the upward, but don't forget that there's the outward. And I'm going to touch a little bit more basis on that one. There's the outward. This is the part where you're empowered to impact the lives of people for eternity. For eternity. You see, when I gave my life to Christ, at that time, the video that was playing through, that was Pastor Dwayne, he was working outwardly while I was receiving inwardly. There was a cycle that was happening. Really a kingdom cycle, if you want to call it that. Because someone allowed to, uh, themselves to operate that way and become an outward impact, somebody like me was able to have the inward work within us. And the reason why I bring that up is because we're really, 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 really good with two of those. We really are. But for some reason, it's a challenge or even a discipline to do the third one. You guys with me right now? You see, that first one, the inward, we receive it, we gain it, we want it, we want more. We tell people about it, about the encounter that you had. Then it comes into the upward and you're learning and you're gaining and all these things are happening. But when it's time to do the outward, actually reaching the people, laying the hands on someone to see the sick be healed. Or ministering to someone that really is anti-Christ at the moment. We struggle with that. And the reality is this. It's because our eyes are not fixed on Jesus. It's fixed on our performance, how we do it. See, what happens is we compare ourselves, how others do it, because they do it really good. And we disqualify ourselves to do the outward dimension that God wants us to do. And so what happens is you miss out on a feature, I guess you want to say, that God has for you. And there's a missed opportunity maybe for someone to have the inward work happen to them. And so I want to challenge you guys today. I want to challenge you guys today. Are you allowing God to do the outward work through you? Not just the outward work, but the impact towards people's lives. Like I said, there's a cycle that happens. You receive the inward, then the upward happens, then the outward makes the impact. Someone else through that outward gets the inward, then the upward, then the outward, and the cycle continues. Are we here right now? And what God wants us to do is not just attend church and be faithful to that. He wants you to be the church and go to the world and win souls and make disciples. It's what he called us to do. You, you know, just because all these things were seen, all these events in 2020, the garbage that we're walking through at times, the hardships doesn't disqualify from what we were called to do. He didn't say stop, drop. And just roll around. He didn't do any. He didn't say any. He says, continue to win souls and to make disciples. I think Peter is the perfect example of this. You see, Peter, Jesus' disciple, Peter, uh, 
He, he's the one that denied Jesus. But when he was full of the spirit, filled with the spirit on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that, that, that the spirit filled him. He started speaking in front of these thousands of people. And these thousands of people, he was speaking truth with power and authority is what the Bible says. And as he's letting people know of what just happened and what's to come, the people were amazed in his awe. In Acts chapter 241, the Bible says that those who accepted his message, as Peter, those that accepted his message were baptized. And check this out, church. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people because one person allowed the Holy Spirit to work outward dimension out of them. It's amazing when there's just one person that can come to Christ because of the outward work. Testimony real quick. Uh, 2010, I think it was, um, I started working at a factory. I worked for five years, four years, sorry, at a factory. And um, as we're wor- I'm at work at a factory, I'm doing full-time ministry. I encountered a person, I met a person at my job, and uh, she was really into um, the religion of uh, Buddha. I think it's called Buddhism, right? And... She, I shared the gospel. My wife shared the gospel to her a couple of times and just wasn't really working. But God had said to continue to pray for her and continue to do the outward work. We would pray in the spirit and we would pray for this specific person to just follow God's way. About a year went by and there was a lot of tilling the ground and there was a lot of praying and just being truthful and, and really humble towards her um, to the point where there was an opportunity uh, she walks up to me in the line that we we're working at, and she had said, uh, she's going through some issues, can't remember the issue, and she had said, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. And as I'm there working, I'm like, okay, where are my bosses at? Like, okay, we're going to do this quick. Like, I'm like, Jesus, please help me out in this one. And, and at the line, she gave her life to Christ. She gave her life to Christ. Well, you fast forward a couple of years, she started attending Res Holland and became the children's uh, director um, and is on fire today. We're really good friends with her. On fire today for Jesus and just getting her family saved. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's amazing. One of the biggest testimonies that we have, but there are many, many more testimonies. See, that's the outward work of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is what activates us to do the impossible. There are times where we think it's impossible, but it's possible. See, my, my wife, she, she spoke at Impact a couple of days ago, and she gave a testimony about her dad. So women, if you remember that testimony, that was, to me, an impossible moment. I'm like, there's no way. If there was one person that was hopeless, that, we can't, that Jesus can't reach, it was my father-in-law, her dad. It was that hard. But she, through her testimony, obeyed the voice of God and just continued to pray. And he ends up coming to Christ. And let me tell you something. I rejoice when people come to Christ, but I was shocked on this one. I'm just being honest. I was like, wow, he really came to Christ. And we had seven phenomenal years with our father-in-law who loved Jesus. He remarried and, and, and they just loved the Lord. They served as deacons at their church and it was awesome. And he went home with the Lord about four years ago. Uh, but that's the, that's the good news. He went home with the Lord. The hope is Christ and we're going to see him again. We're going to see him again. And I thank God for that testimony right there because we allowed the outward. My, my biggest question to you is, are you allowing the outward? Yes, you're good with the inward and the upward, but are you doing the outward dimension of the Holy Spirit so people can be impacted in their lives? See, a lot of times we go to our jobs and, Lord, get me out of this dark hole. I am believing for something better. And, but the Lord is saying, you are my light. And in that dark area, I need you there. I need you there. Lord, can you call someone else to pray for this or pray for that person? And Lord, I have called you to do it. And today's that day where we just have to commit to God and understand there's a 3D in me of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to start functioning the way God wants me to function. Uh, It's funny. Like I said, you know, the Holy Spirit activates us to do the impossible. It's funny because I had a friend of mine a while ago, he was telling me a story about someone that approached him and said, look, Christianity, being a Christian, it's hard. It's hard. And I said, well, what would you tell him? He goes, I didn't tell, I told him this, it's not hard. It's impossible. And I'm like, why would you say that? He goes, hold on. He goes, I told him it's impossible to be a Christian. That's why God gave you the Holy Spirit. So the impossible becomes possible. Talk about an insight. Talk about an understanding of, wow, that's true. See, God's given us full ability 
to do life here on earth. And guess what? For the year 2020. <laughs> for the year 2020. There's been a platform that's been set for us to talk to the depressed, the sick, the hurting, the suicidal. Jesus ate with them. And the religious leaders of the law point and says that only if he knew who he was eating with. And what does Jesus say? Is it the healthy that need a doctor or the sick? You were called. You were called to be the spiritual physicians of the sick spiritually as well, physically. See, just because we get, we get quarantine at times and there's isolation doesn't mean in the spiritual realm you isolate yourself or you quarantine yourself in, in the spiritual realm. God says, no, let my spirit keep moving. Allow the spirit to keep moving in you and through you. One of the, my favorite things about this place here at Resurrection Life Church in Granville is uh, this church is spirit-filled and spirit-led in everything that do. They do. You see, without the Holy Spirit, we have no power. We have no direction. It's just like having a car without a battery. You may look pretty, but you ain't, you ain't, you, there's no power inside. Or maybe a lamp. You have a lamp that's not plugged in. It looks great, but it does not illuminate light. And what God says is without the Holy Spirit, we are not the church. And so we have to acknowledge more of who the Holy Spirit is and not only acknowledge, share who the, introduce the Holy Spirit to people. Are we here? Am I talking to somebody? Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all to Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In other words, you can say, you are supposed to be his witness in your home, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your state, in your nation to the ends of the world. It's where God called us to do. There is no limits with God and who we talk to and who we talk to. But the battle is up here where the enemy tries to stop us to do what God's and comparison comes in because we believe someone else can do it better. And that comparison ends up killing our courage and that, that, that killed courage uh, when an opportunity presents paralyzes us into a fear. And God said, no, I need you. See, there are many, many times we fall to our knees and God, I need you more than ever. And I believe a lot of times God looks down or in us and he says, I also need you more than ever for you are my feet and you are my hands. And I need you to continue the mission here on earth. Represent the kingdom and I represent you up there. For we applaud, we pray, we intercede. Jesus is still interceding today. We need to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, for some reason, some people think it's, it's some type of thing or object or, or, or metaphor or even this force. But it's not. See, the Holy Spirit is not just a force or this object or thing. Understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. Look at your neighbor and say, the Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit is so real, he's just as real as the neighbor next to you. Now pinch your neighbor. No, don't pinch your neighbor. I'm just joking. Don't do it. Stop. Don't do it. Wives are like, yeah. But the, the Holy Spirit is just as real as the neighbor next to you, and probably even more real. I love, it Jesus, I love it what Jesus says in John 14, 15 through 17. He says, if you love me, Jesus says, keep my command or my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another, notice this, another helper. Notice that the, that helper referring to the Holy Spirit is, is capitalized. The H is capitalized. When do you capitalize a letter in a sentence? It's when a person is identified. An important thing is identified. You see, when, when you would write a sentence with my name on it, even though my name might be mid-sentence, you're going to capitalize the J. We're, we're going to capitalize it because you're a person, an important person. And so, so as we're reading this, you can see another helper, capital H, that he, capital H, may abide in you forever, 17, that the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him, capital H, nor knows him, capital H, but you know him, capital H, and he, capital H, dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus has showed us through scripture that the Holy Spirit is a person, a person that is real, that is active, 
and it is all-knowing. The Holy Spirit that carries you through hardships and storms and winds and waves. But when we don't have the knowledge, it's like owning an iPhone and not realizing you had Siri this whole time. See, what God has for us is a good gift is what he calls it. A gift that gives us direction, hope, reminds us of the teachings of Jesus, brings conviction to our heart because he loves us, disciplines us, but continues to love us and just unconditionally love us through process and chapters in life. But for someone to be a helper, like Jesus acknowledged, Holy Spirit helper, for someone to be a helper, they need to be present and are at arm's reach. Thanksgiving's around the corner. And typically a lot of us get in the good mood of being thankful, but also giving back. And that giving back requires you to be present and active with your arms, at arm's reach. There for years we would serve at the Holland Rescue Mission as a church. And uh, we would go and we would host tables for those that just didn't have a place to go eat. Or maybe they're, they're living in a shelter. And we would be at arm's reach. And we've had opportunities to pray for people, invite people to church. We've had opportunities just to share the gospel. Not always were they ready to receive it, but at least we had the opportunity to do so. But for me to do so, I had to be at arm's reach. Understand that the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that, He dwells within you. He's closer than arm's reach. When you don't have a direction, when you just don't know what to do or where to go, guess who's your helper? And guess what he does through that? He gives you the power to do the impossible. Maybe you're stuck in a marriage and you just don't know what to do. Not stuck in a marriage. That came out wrong. Hold on. Let me reverse. Okay. Maybe you're having issues in your marriage. That came out totally wrong. Maybe (laughs) marriage is awesome, guys. I'm just telling you that right now. Maybe you have issues and you just don't know what to do. You're stuck on trying to find a solution. You don't know how to find and navigate. Well, first of all, you have the spirit of God in you to help you. Maybe the spirit will lead you to the person or to the church or to uh, some type of program or, or people to at least pray and intercede with you. He will give you direction. But a lot of times we don't go to the help. We try to figure out on our own. Or we go to the friend that does not have the answer for this one situation. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe you've been struggling. You're trying to figure things out. and You know the promises of God, and you're trying to claim these things, and it's just not going according to what you're, you, it's inside of you. The help of the Holy Spirit will lead you to all truth. Yes, he can help you through that, but along comes wisdom, how to steward his tools. The Holy Spirit is your helper, Maybe you have kids and, and, and you want to pull your hair out and you're like, I don't know what to do. Okay, I got a story. It's a funny story. We got time. All right. So my, I got four kids, 11, 9, 7, and 4, okay? It's a fun household. All right. So as uh, my daughter, who's the second oldest, a nine-year-old, she's, mm, I think she's three years old. And, you know, we discipline our kids with, uh, you know, a spoon, a wooden spoon. And, uh, you know, we, we tell them, we love on them, we, you know, do all that. And we're, we, what we say is this. We're going to give you a pow-pow. And a pow-pow is a pow-pow. Get it? You know? Okay. So as I'm there and I, my daughter, who's three years old, she just was not getting, and I forgot what it was, but she was just, she was just not obeying. I said, I gave you three warnings. Now we're going to get a pow-pow. So I go to the room and I say, okay, I love you. And I'm going through the books that I learned and the teachings that I got. Because this is like one of the first times I'm really like disciplining uh, my child. And uh, I'm a new parent. And I tell her, look, I'm going to give you a pow-pow. And so she, and I remember reading one time, don't spank more than three times. I don't know where I heard that or saw it. So I had that in my head. Okay, now it's out of the window. But anyways, at the time, it's in my head. And so I grabbed the spoon. And you know how the diaper is louder than the actual hit? You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. (laughs) Anyways, I spank her once. I said, Daddy loves you. She grabbed the spoon and she smacked me back. (laughs) Okay. That was not in the textbooks. I'm just saying that right now. No, pa- no pastor taught me anything on that area. But that's one. Okay, so I grab it. Didn't panic. I'm, I'm going to show myself mature. And you don't do that. Pow, pow. Grabs the spoon, smacks me again in the arm, mad at me. I'm like, this is not going well. So I finally grabbed the spoon and I spank her one more time. And you don't do that. She's fighting the spoon and I'm fighting the spoon. And I remember thinking, I can't give her the spoon because I'm out of my limits of spanking. Like I did three already and it's just, 
I did not know what to do. And then after leading that, my wife, I opened the door, my wife's like, what happened in there? She won. That's what happened. <laughs> Parents, don't leave me alone. I know you guys went through something. Come on. <laughs> I remember thinking, man, I am a horrible dad. I am horrible. Like, I just, I didn't know what to do. And I remember that night praying and I said, God, help me out with this. And I, 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 I promise you, I heard the voice of the Lord say, <laughs> just laugh. Because we have a God who's full of joy and understanding. And he wasn't laughing at me. He was giving me a fun moment with my daughter. Today, I talk about it in, in a joking way, but as a new dad, or you know, at least in the newer of the parenting a few years into it, it's like, I, I, I needed direction. I needed help. And my wife didn't know either. She's like, I don't know. Did you, did you do three? I said, yeah. I didn't know what else to do. We hit our limit. And, but the Spirit of God, he, he taught me through that process. Today, my daughters and all my kids, actually, we have such great relationships with them. Such great. We're in a maturity level. We have a preteen coming up, and it's just like, wow. And the conversations that we have, I needed help that no man had an answer for, but the Spirit of God did. I needed help. And so I tuned into the Spirit, and I said, help me. What positions or situations do you get yourself in that you're searching man, and you're realizing I'm not searching God? I'm not tapping into the Spirit that's within me and asking him, Get me, give me a direction or, or help me cope through this or navigate through this. He's there for these reasons. He's a good, good dad. He's a good, good gift in our life. He's a person who is real and who is closer than arm's reach. Remember the Holy Spirit, he doesn't social distance even though, even though you do. He does not social distance. He social imprints in you. He, put, he imprints in your heart and he reminds you. He reminds you of who you are in him. He reminds you of what you're capable of. He reminds you of how the enemy has been defeated and how you have a daddy who owns cattle on a thousand hills. You trust, you trust, and you continue to believe. One of my main, main confessions I speak on a daily basis is, God, I, I, I trust you for today of all my needs, but I believe at your word you're there tomorrow already. And I take that out of uh, the Old Testament where, where the, the Lord gives specific instructions to the Israelites. Uh, he says, I will send you bread from heaven, manna. And he says, you know, gather for today, but don't gather for later, for I will provide more later. And the people, what they would do is they would rake it in. They would rake it in because they didn't believe his word for tomorrow. They didn't trust his word for tomorrow. They trusted him for today because they saw the supply, but they were like, I don't know if he's really going to be there. I'm going to just save some for tomorrow. And what happens? What happens to that man? It goes bad. It goes bad. And, and, and the attitude I want to have is, God, I don't want to just rake in tomorrow. I know you're there. I'm going to believe you at your word. So, yes, my confession is this. Lord, I thank you for this day that I can trust you for the day. I know my needs will be uh, uh, supplied. Lord Jesus, you'll provide for my family and I. And uh, you're here today, but I also believe you're there tomorrow. Nice. See, my sister right now, I'm going through something right now. My little sister, 26 years old, who was born with a heart defect, she's about to have open heart surgery tomorrow morning at 7.15. It's a big, big issue. She's been in the hospital for the last three weeks, life-threatening. ICU, the works, 26. She was born with a heart defect. They put a mechanical aortic valve in her heart about six, seven years ago, and it malfunctioned three weeks ago, which means it stopped working. And luck, not luckily, it's really the Lord. She just said, I got to go get an appointment. No symptoms. I got to go get an appointment. And as she goes to her appointment, they, set, they notice something's off. Well, that was the moment they realized your mechanical aortic valve has malfunctioned. They started with the clot in the heart. That clot diminished in Jesus' name because we declared it. And, and then it went to, uh, they saw the mechanical aortic valve malfunction. And so tomorrow, 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 7.15 a.m., four-hour, four to six-hour surgery. <laughs> I know he's there already. I've been declaring it all day today. Lord Jesus, I trust you for today. I trust you that my sister's in your hands, that I don't have to be anxious about anything, but through prayer and supplication, uh, supplication with thanksgiving, I can bring my request to you. You will answer me. I trust you in that. But I also believe you're there already in the operating room tomorrow. He's there. You see, we're limited by time. That's why it's hard for us. But God's not limited by time. He's eternal. 
and he's there. What are you believing for? What is something that, that you've been trying to, uh, you know, get to the other side through or, or the relationship that you're in or, or, or the financial or the position at work? What is it that you have not been going to the Holy Spirit about? Because those positions, typically when you go to the Holy Spirit, he says, now let's illuminate some light in this. Let's do some work. The inward starts, <laughs> the upward happens, the outward just explodes before the world to see. The help of the Holy Spirit, you even see it in the uh, Old Testament. You'll see Samson. Samson's one of um, David's, oh, I'm sorry, Samson's one of most God's strongest mighty warrior physically. When you read the scriptures, you'll see that he does some acts that are just supernatural. But if you pay attention to scripture, right before he does any type of act that's supernatural, the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. You see, Samson couldn't do it on his own. He needed the help of the Holy Spirit. You look at Moses who performed many miracles. Before he did it, he needed the help of the Holy Spirit. You look at Solomon to be the wisest in all history. He needed the help of the Holy Spirit. Then you look in the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis. The Bible says, uh, says in the Genesis that before the earth had formed, God's Spirit hovered it. That Spirit has been around forever. And that same spirit that we read in Samson and Moses and Solomon and Genesis is the same spirit that dwells within you. That's the spirit in you. That's the spirit in you. So when we come with the excuses of, I just don't know how to say it or pray it or, or, or proclaim it or teach it or show it, that should, eyes are on you. That should be eyes on him. Lord, help me because through you I can do all things. I can pray on Thanksgiving dinner, even though I'm scared and everybody's looking at me right now. I can teach. I can raise these children. I can love my husband. I can love my in-laws. I can love my teachers. I can do all things in Christ Jesus who gives me the strength. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14, the Bible says, And you, <laughs> you also were included in Christ when you heard, everyone say heard, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who, <laughs> identifying as a person, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. In other words, don't just acknowledge that there's a Holy Spirit, but allow the Spirit to operate through you. And when we do that, we acknowledge, and when we acknowledge, we operate, you'll see the people start praising the God, your, our God for it. Many times we see stories in the Bible where they gave it to God and God showed up. Look at Elijah. Elijah was against 450 other prophets that were not for God. And they worshiped their own gods. And they did this competition where they created an altar and, the, you know, who, who, let's see whose God's going to start the fire. And people acknowledge when, when it happened with Elijah, those men acknowledged who God was. See, he didn't have to say much. Read the story in 1 Kings. He didn't have to say much, but God showed up and God did the work for him. You see, you might not have to say much, maybe just a simple smile, a handshake, or maybe, yeah, maybe just an encouraging word is enough for someone to say, man, I, there's something different about you. And the door opens for you to introduce who Jesus is into their life. But we have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in all that truth. You see, he is a, a spirit in motion. He is. But a lot of times we don't manifest it. He's moving, but we won't manifest it because something else is holding us back from it. And what we have to do is allow the Holy Spirit to be dominant in our life. I don't even go to the point of saying the Holy Spirit needs to be the dictator of our life. Making every decision, showing us every step of the way. When I was a kid, I used to play this game in the snow called King of the Hill. Who's ever played King of the Hill? It was such a fun game, especially with my sisters. I'm the older brother. <laughs> that was a joke, kind of. So and we would gather this hill or they would snowplow and I would go with some friends and the object of the game is to get to the top, to be king of the hill and just push everybody down. That was it. Like that was the game. And when you got to the top, you were dominant. You were dom get, get down, you're dominant because I'm the king of the hill. We have to understand that there is a flesh that you carry 
who still needs to be put in subjection, subjection on a daily basis. And there is a devil trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And both of those things are trying to be dominant in your life. But the Bible says, allow the spirit of God to dominate. So when the flesh rises up and you want to be bitter towards that person or unforgiving, the spirit says, ah, ah. Or when the devil comes against you, maybe with the sickness and the spirit dominates and says, no, by his stripes, I'm healed. Allow the spirit of God to dominate within you. With the last few minutes that I have, I'm going to go through five Quick keys or what happens, we'll say it that way. What happens when I allow the spirit to dominate and operate through me? You guys ready? Because it's going to go fast. You ready? Okay. So number one, when, what happens when you operate in the spirit is that God's work begins in you and through you. Okay. God's work begins in you and through you. Philippians 2.13, the Bible says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You see, a lot of times this scripture is misquoted or misunderstood a lot. There are many, 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 many conversations I have had with people that says, well, God gives me all my heart's desire, then I want to be a millionaire, or I want to win the lotto, or I want to live in Florida. And they miss what God is saying here. You see, when you have the operation of the Holy Spirit working through you, do you not realize you be, you're, you're one in him? And if you're one in him, your heartbeat is in the same rhythm of his heartbeat. Your mind is set on him. You lean on his understanding. And what happens is the father's desires start becoming your desires. And those desires line up to the word of God and the kingdom of heaven. And when you have those desires, you ask God, bring it, and God brings it. I told you my quick story in a nutshell of how I came to Christ, but uh, in 2010 when we moved back from Oklahoma, because that's where we lived, uh, my wife and I, we became youth pastors in 2010, and I wanted to be in the ministry. I didn't realize I was going to be a pastor, but I was willing to do whatever God wanted me to do, and I moved back, and I go to Holland Res, and, and, and my pastor at the time says, so what are you called? What do you, what do you feel called to? I said, well, the youth ministry, and I want to I be a part of the youth, and he says, okay, here you go, and he gives me a license. To be a pastor. And I remember thinking, wow, I don't know what to do now. I don't know what to do. And I knew it was a calling. And I remember that first Sunday night when my wife and I went to the youth. Our very first service ever, there was two middle schoolers. And they stared at us. And we were terrified. I was fumbling and stumbling when I was introducing myself. Like, that's just how nervous we were. We were really, really nervous. And as the years went by, youth pastor, we youth pastor for six years before we became lead pastors. And we worked with all generations. We say from diaper to diploma. We worked for all, all, all entire generations. And we loved these kids. And we did everything we could. And I remember thinking, we're going to be a youth pastors forever. For, I'm going to be 80 and I'm going to still be a youth pastor. And as God's positioning me and my wife, and, you know, we, we, we served here for a while because we did uh, half our position here for the res kids. And uh, I started having this impression in my heart of, I want to lead a church one day. And I remember saying that to my wife. I was scared. And she goes, what? No. Like, I mean, it was a straight up, no. Why would you say that? And I'm, I have no idea. But as the months were going by that year, I started having this impression of leading a church one day. Well, long story short, I come over here and, and, and I talked to one of my mentors, a very good friend of mine and a good mentor of mine. And I said, I, I have this impression of, of I think one day I'm going to lead, lead a church. And I remember him putting his pen down and saying, okay, would you allow me to be a part of it if that day comes? I said, of course, you're, you're one of my leaders. And I would submit to that. And I, I, I said, but the last thing I said was, that's probably five to 10 years from now, though. And we went on with our day. Four months later, I was leading Resurrection Life Church Holland. Go figure on what God does. I didn't ask for it. God put the desire in my heart. Then I said, okay, God, your will be done. I'm asking for the desire, and he fulfilled the desire. You see, when you line up with the Spirit of God, you allow the operation of the Spirit to happen in you, and it lines up, and he puts the desire in you. You ask for that, it's coming. It's coming. It's the spirit. It, what happens is God's work begins in you and through you. His desire becomes your desire, which means he gives you the power with it. He gives you the power with it. Number two, when you operate in the spirit of God, growth happens. This is fruit in your life. Genesis, or Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. 
But the Holy Spirit produces, not you, not your friend, not your spouse. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In other words, the Spirit becomes more dominant in our life. You know, man, when we drive and we get cut off, we have to allow the Spirit of God to dominate at that moment. Not the spirit of my flesh and what I think, but the spirit of God. And I know, I mean, for, it's so funny because as I speak this, an entire week went by and there was like three opportunities for the, the flesh to rise with the same issue of the car. But they disrespected me. I didn't like how they did that. They could have put a signal light on. And that's not of God. And so what I had to learn was let the spirit just dominate through those moments. Because he was, with all that, the love and joy and the peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all that, it just manifests before you. And my kids were watching. My kids are watching the whole time. And I want to make sure they catch that fruit of the Spirit in my life. So again, growth happens, fruit in your life starts showing. Number three, what happens when the, uh, you operate in the Spirit is that revelation becomes more common. In other words, knowledge and insight of him and who he is becomes more common. You see him on a daily basis. You hear him on a daily basis. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, these are the things God has revealed. Listen to this closely. God has revealed to us by his spirit that the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Why, why did I emphasize God has revealed to us by his spirit? Because there's a saying out there that says God is a mysterious God and he works in mysterious ways. When we strictly read, God is a revealing God who leads us and reveals to us all his truth. But I understand that, that saying, I, I get it. Because according to the world that does not know God, it's, God seems like mysterious and works in a mysterious way. But you who are children of God, God is not a mysterious God. God is a revealing God who shows you all truth. The Bible says, and Jesus says that his children hear his voice and they follow. God is going to reveal. He reveals. He shows you. He leads you. Amen. And even when life seems cloudy, he says, grab my hand. I will walk you Amen. through the whole process. You were created for that. When Adam and Eve were created, they walked with God. They walked in the garden. You were created to walk. And God also wants to reveal his love to you. Number four. When we operate in the Holy Spirit, the, uh, the, what happens is the impossible becomes possible. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus simply said, with God, all things are possible. It's not about what we can get, but living the way he lived. It's about us living the way he lived. See, Jesus left the standards. He was known as teacher but he was willing to stoop down and wash the disciples' feet. Then he says, go do the same. Go do the same. Go serve. Go teach. Go love. It's, it's so awesome where we look at the armor of God in Ephesians 6, and the armor is like the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the gospel fitted for peace. And, you know, I got all my faith shield and my, and my, my sword of the spirit. I have it all. I'm ready. And I, at times when I read it, I feel like I'm a part of the Marvel comics. I'm, a, I'm Iron Man or something. And I realize I have this armor. And in, in the mentality, if you have little boys play, it's like battle time. And they start going at it. And I know my boys do. And you read on, and as you have this armor... <laughs> And God says, when the evil day comes, stand. And when you've done all that you could do to stand, keep standing. Amen. What? I got all this stuff and you just want me to stand? Yes, because I yeah. given the battle to you. Woo! See, he's equipped you already with what you need. But you don't fight for victory or else you would be battling. You fight, or you, you fight from victory by simply standing and say the victory is already mine. If you notice, if you notice, if you've noticed that the back in that armor is not covered, I believe because God has simply said, I didn't call you to retreat. I called you to stand. Amen. He's got you guys. He's got your back. Amen. So the impossible becomes possible. And the last one I'll say is the, uh, uh, for number five, um, 
What happens when we operate in the Holy Spirit is this. God's work will be finished. I'll say it again. God's work will be finished. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will complete his work if you allow him to operate. Don't, this is not a time to retreat. This is a time to continue to do life with Jesus as you continue to allow the spirit to operate through you. There should be no excuses of what you can't do when it comes to God's kingdom. God says you can do all things. Go ahead and close your eyes and bow your head for a moment. I just want to give a simple invitation to you. This invitation is exactly what it is, an invitation. You see, you were thought of with this invitation. And God, God desired this invitation and has wrote this one just for you. And he says, I, I, I sent my son to die for you. And on that, on that cross to pay your debt, pay your sin. But I need you to accept and see he's my doorway to the kingdom of God. He's, he's the answer to eternal salvation. Romans tells us when we call out in his name, when we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you will be saved. And the question could be, well, saved from what? And it's simple. Saved from eternal separation from God. You don't want that. And you don't desire that for anybody. For God so loved the world, even in this mess, he still desires people's hearts. People, you have the opportunity to do so, but you first need to come to Christ. If you have not given your life to Christ and you're saying, Jesse, I want to, I want to give my life to Christ, I, I simply want to lead you in a prayer, that's all. And when I lead you in this prayer, I just want you to believe with your heart and trust that God's going to meet you right where you're at. This is us encountering God right now, guys. Don't wait. The invite's now. Maybe you have done the prayer and, and, and you have not necessarily committed to God. I haven't been living the way I should. And you're saying, but today I'm making a decision to live for him. I want his desires in my heart. On any of those two invites, on the count of three, I want you to put your hand up. I just want to lead you in a prayer. One, two, three. Put your hand up right now. God bless you. I see you. Anybody else? God bless you. I see you. Anybody else? This is your time. You hear the voice. You hear the sound of my voice. This is for you. Awesome. We have a couple of people that made a decision. But let's do this as a church family. Let's all repeat. Put our hand over our heart and just repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you. Thank you for the mission of my life. You sent your son to die for my debt. And I just want to say I'm sorry. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe Jesus died for me. But I also believe he rose from the grave. He conquered death so I don't have to experience an eternal separation from you. So Jesus, thank you. I ask you to put your spirit in me. I commit to you today. Help me, Holy Spirit, as I do life with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all celebrate by saying...